2: Listen, we really are the children of Adam and Eve, aren't we? Because like our first parents, we often make all kinds of excuses about our behavior, our sinful behavior. We blame everyone else for our behavior except ourselves. You know, I know when a couple comes to see me, a married couple comes to see me, and they're having difficulties in their relationship, I know almost immediately if I'm going to be able to help them. And what tips me off is is who they think is responsible for the problem.
1: Cartoon character Calvin of Calvin and Hobbes once said, It's a lot more fun to blame things than to fix them. <laughs> well, we might paraphrase that for our study today to be something like, It's way easier to blame my spouse for our troubles than to see what I need to fix in myself. Easier, yes. Effective? Mm, not so much welcome to verse by verse with pastor steve kreloff of lakeside community chapel in clearwater florida we're studying the biblical marriage and while we've looked at several passages on the topic right now we're in genesis chapter three which shows us what not to do in our marriages when god confronted adam about his sin adam's reaction was not that different from when we get into those kinds of situations it's not my fault it's that woman she gave me the fruit and by the way You gave me the woman, or words to that effect. Now listen to how Eve does the same thing. Here's Pastor Steve to continue.
2: What about Eve? How did she feel about her sin of giving into temptation and eating the fruit and then giving Adam the fruit? Well, notice her response when God asked her about what she had done. Verse 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Look, Eve does the same thing that Adam does. called passing the buck. Blame shifting. She blames someone else for her sin. She blames the serpent for deceiving, for deceiving her. You know what? People have seen humor in this for years. People come up with all kind of kinds of so-called funny lines about this. Witty lines like uh, one I read recently. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. The serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. So... It might not even be that, that witty. As humorous as it might sound, what Adam and Eve did in blaming others for their sin is really a very serious matter because it is a major reason why couples continue to have unresolved conflicts today. See, what Adam did, the way we would put it today, we'd say he threw Eve under the bus. That's the new expression. He threw Eve under the bus in an attempt to save his own skin to get off the hook with God. This woman, who he initially had been so thrilled with and overwhelmed to have, you know what? He now despised her. He's willing to discard her. He despises her for leading him into sin and he's willing to discard her to God's judgment to save his own neck. Listen, we really are the children of Adam and Eve, aren't we? Because like our first parents, we often make all kinds of excuses about our behavior, our sinful behavior, we blame everyone else for our behavior, except ourselves. You know, I know when a couple comes to see me, a married couple comes to see me and they're having difficulties in their relationship. I know almost immediately if i 'm going to be able to help them, and what tips me off is is who they think is responsible for the problem, if they 're pointing fingers at each other and saying well." He's doing this, and, and he says, well, she's doing this. You know what? I know I can't help them. Because they're not going to take responsibility for their own sin. And if they don't take responsibility for their own sin, then they don't have anything to repent of. If you don't have anything to repent of, you can't resolve anything. So if they come to see me, and it's everybody else's fault, then I know I can't help them. But if they come to see me, and they say, you know what, Steve? I, I know I've sinned. I'm to blame We, I just need to know what does the Bible say about having, how I get back on track and resolving this? If she says that, he says that, I know I can help them because I know that they're going to be open to biblical truth. They'll be responsive to counsel then. But so often, folks, this is not the case. Instead of acknowledging our guilt and taking responsibility for our own actions, one of the effects of the fall is that we are inclined to make excuses for our sinful behavior and we blame others for our wrongdoing. I'm so angry because my wife knows how to push my buttons, and yeah, she's pushed them. If she didn't say what she said, then I wouldn't have exploded the way I exploded. See, so whose fault is it? It's not mine. She pushed my buttons. My anger is not the issue. It's her. She started it. Or if only my husband was a godly man and a spiritual leader, then I would be a godly wife, a spiritual wife, and we'd have a better marriage. So whose fault is it? It's his fault. Not my fault. The reason I do these things is because this is the way my parents did things. My dad was an alcoholic, so I'm an alcoholic. He was my role model, so don't blame me. Blame him. It's what I saw growing up. What do you expect to, uh, me to behave like? It's not my fault that I can't control my sexual activity. That's the way God made me. I'm genetically wired to be like this. So what, what are we saying? Our immorality, it's God's fault. It's not mine. If my husband treated me better, then I would treat him better. But he's such a bear to live with, it's no wonder that I'm always grouchy with him. See, it's his fault. Or, as some say, you know what? It's my culture. That's just the way my culture is. We're, we're a little fiery. We're a little feisty. We are contentious. Culture is often wrong. It's wrong. You don't listen to culture. You listen to the word of God if you know Christ. Or you know what, God? It's your fault that our family has so many problems. If you hadn't given us this, this rebellious child, then, then we would live better lives. I'm, I'm so angry most of the time. It's because of my child. And you gave that child to me. Listen, folks. These are nothing but lame excuses for our sinful behavior. No one is to blame for what you do or how you respond to situations, but you. No matter how you were raised, no matter how difficult your spouse is to live with, no matter how you've been wronged in your marriage, no matter what your genetic makeup is, no matter what your child is like, no matter what culture you come out of, God holds you and you alone responsible for your behavior. Why? Because he always gives enough grace to obey him in any situation. You'll never find yourself in a situation where you don't have grace to obey him. So no excuse for our sin is ever valid. No one is to be blamed for our sinful actions or attitudes but us. And there is never any justification for disobeying God. James chapter 1 addresses this very issue at The towards the end of the Bible. James chapter 1, listen to what, what James writes. James 1 verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he does not tempt anyone. Here's someone who says, God is behind this, it's his fault. James says, no, it's not. He tells us in verses 14 and following, it's our fault. Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. It's our desire. It's not God's fault. And when lust has conceived, and he's not talking here just about sexual lust, he's talking about any desire. When lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Then he adds, do not be deceived, my beloved Brethren. What James is saying is don't be deceived by thinking that your sin is somehow God's fault. It's not. It's your fault and your fault alone. You're the one who gave in to temptation and sin. You didn't need to. You chose to. Now, going back to Adam and Eve, what should they have done to resolve their new condition of being sinners who were out of fellowship with each other and out of fellowship with God? Listen very closely because we are going to see from scripture how sinful husbands and sinful wives, that's all of us, are to work through sin conflicts. I would encourage you to write this down because your assignment is to go sit down today with your spouse and work through these issues. There are three steps to resolving biblically conflicts with your spouse and with anybody really but we're talking here in particular about your spouse. First step is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. I read this earlier to you. Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, I want you to know this verse is not specifically addressed to a husband or to a wife. It's addressed to a Christian. It's addressed to every Christian who has already put falsehood Away from him or her by admitting the truth about themselves that they are sinners and need Christ as their Lord and Savior. Listen, folks, we are people of truth. If you've come to Christ, then you have admitted the truth about yourself. You are a wretched sinner. You're not hiding any sin from God. What Paul is teaching here is that since we are now people of truth, having been converted to Jesus Christ by admitting the truth about ourselves, now we need to make sure that we speak truth to one another. We've already spoken the truth about ourselves to Christ. Now speak the truth to one another. For a husband and wife in particular, that involves speaking up and saying what's bothering you, what's troubling you. In other words, a wife needs to tell her husband how he's hurt her feelings, how he's disappointed her, how insensitive, thoughtless he's been to her. Likewise, a husband needs to tell his wife where he thinks she's wrong. He needs to speak up. See, it's only when a couple is open and honest and transparent with each other that they get the issues bothering them out on the table. That's the only way to resolve a conflict. You cannot resolve a conflict if you don't know what it is. A number of years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who had a very difficult marriage, and the difficulties had lasted for years. And I said to him, now, when they first started, did you ever ask your wife what the problem was? And he said, oh, yeah, I asked her, what is the problem? And she said, well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Listen, that is a woman who didn't want to resolve anything, and they didn't resolve anything. They are divorced today. They didn't resolve anything. You can't resolve anything unless you know what you have to resolve, and the only way you'll know it is to speak up. Nobody's a mind reader. I can't tell what's going on in my wife's mind. She can't tell what's going on in mine. You've got to talk and speak. Speak up and say what the problem is. So the first step you, you have to take in resolving a, a sin issue between you and your spouse is say what's on your mind and, and don't give in to these thoughts, oh, it'll just make things worse. It won't make things worse. Things are already bad. That's why you're in this mess. Or he'll only get upset. So he has a little hissy fit. So what? He'll get over it. Or, you know what, it, it'll hurt her feelings so much. Listen, scripture says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You have to hurt to heal. The Lord hurts me all the time. It's called conviction of sin. So don't, don't dismiss it. And don't think that, you know what, I'm just not going to deal with it. It'll go away by itself. I guarantee you, it will not go away by itself. It'll only increase It'll just eat at you. It'll fester. It'll grow larger in your mind. It'll snowball. And that's what leads to bitterness. That's why couples who once were madly in love with each other. Now can't stand each other. Why? Because they never resolved any conflicts. And now they have new conflicts on top of that. On top of that. On top of that. So you have to speak the truth to your spouse. And tell that person what's bothering you. Secondly. Once you have heard the truth and have been confronted by your spouse about your sin, then folks, you have to acknowledge it and not blame anyone else for what you've done. Don't justify it. I want to show you Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Once again, this is not a passage of scripture directly addressed to married couples, but it is so pertinent to married couples. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said in verses one and two, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you'll be judged. And by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you. Now, most people misinterpret this passage because they stop here. Oh, Jesus said, don't judge. So we shouldn't judge. He went on to speak about rightful judging. And what he was saying here is don't judge someone else and their sin until you first deal with your own sin. That's what The passage is teaching. Notice he goes on in verse 3. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Now, this is a hyperbole, an obvious exaggeration to make a point. And what Jesus is condemning is the self-righteous Pharisees who love to point out sins in everybody else's life, but were blind to their own sins, glaring sins that they didn't see. And the hyperbole is this. They, they saw little specks of, of dust or splinters near somebody's eye. Oh, let me, let me deal with that. But they had, and I'll put it in today's language, telephone poles coming out of their own eyes, but they didn't see it. Blind to their own sin. Experts on everybody else's sin. They never dealt with their sin. And the Lord is telling them, deal with it. Verse four, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the logs in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus is condemning those who did not deal and address their own sin. He's telling them, acknowledge your sin before dealing with anybody else's sin. Now, listen, this is so applicable. To marriage, if you want to resolve a conflict with your spouse, then you have to admit and take responsibility for what you have done wrong instead of dwelling on what your spouse may have done wrong. Listen carefully. You're only responsible before God for your sin, not for your spouse's sin. If you've sinned against your spouse, then just admit it. And then take the final step. The step that will resolve this conflict and restore you to the kind of relational intimacy that you should have with your spouse. What is that final step? Well, step number one, you've spoken the truth. You've gotten the issues out in the open. Here's what's bothering me. Step number two, you admitted it's your fault, not her fault, not his fault. I'm to blame. I take responsibility. Third step, ask your spouse to forgive you. And if you have been the one who's been sinned against, then grant forgiveness. Folks, this is the liberating secret. The liberating truth. Once again, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Listen, that's the way some marriages are. Instead, he says, be kind to one another, tender hearted, Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and it's a big if, but if you know him, then you have experienced his marvelous forgiveness. When you came to him for salvation, he completely forgave you. Judicially, you've been forgiven past whatever you might be involved in presently and whatever you will be involved in in the future. He has granted you complete forgiveness based on his death on the cross in payment for your sin. All our sins have been forgiven. God holds nothing against you. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that I will remember your sin no more, which doesn't mean God has amnesia. It means that I will not hold any sin against you ever again. That is exactly the way Paul is telling us to forgive those who have sinned against us. You don't hold their sin against you. Anymore, You don't hold what they've done against you and hold it against them. You choose to forgive them. It's an act of your will. You don't even have to feel like it. Just do it anyway. I have seldom felt like forgiving those who have sinned against me. If I waited till I felt like it, I probably would never do it. You choose to forgive. It's an act of, of the will. You choose to no longer hold this sin against this person. Now, If you refuse to forgive someone, especially your spouse, if you refuse, it's either because you have never really experienced God's forgiveness and salvation, and you're not, you've never been converted, or else you are converted, but you have fallen into the attitude of self-righteousness and have forgotten how really wretched you are. And how much you have sinned against God and how much he has forgiven you. How dare we not forgive someone who has sinned against us. As hurtful as it might be in light of the fact that we have sinned against God trillions of times. And far deeper than what anybody has ever done to us. After all, he's God. We're just sinners. So if there is a sin issue that has affected your relationship with your spouse, ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness. And may I encourage you to ask the right way. Don't, don't ask like this. Well, sorry. You know what that really conveys? Sorry you're such a baby that you're so sensitive about this. You can't handle what I said to you. That is not admitting your sin. That's not. Or even saying, well, I apologize. It still doesn't take it far enough. Apology sounds like, well, I'm a victim of circumstances. But when you say, you know what, you're right. I, I'm wrong. Forgive me. I've sinned against you. That is the right terminology to ask forgiveness because you're admitting guilt. Otherwise, you're excusing it. That's the whole point of this. Don't excuse it. Be humble. Your spouse is telling you something that you already know about yourself. You're a sinner. It's something God knows about you. It's something everybody knows about you. Admit it. So you ask for forgiveness and then you grant forgiveness forgiveness. When you grant forgiveness you are promising I am not going to hold this against you anymore. Completely forgiven. I'm not bringing it up tomorrow. I'm not holding it against you. It's over. This is the way folks to resolve every sin that comes between a husband and wife. Good marriages have conflicts but they resolve them this way. Bad marriages have conflicts and they don't resolve. So today Your assignment is to sit down with your spouse and have an open discussion. Don't leave it for tomorrow. It'll be filled with family activities. Today, sit down with your spouse, have an open discussion about anything that is troubling you. Ask them too, what's troubling you about me? Let's have a frank discussion and speak the truth by pointing out your spouse's sin if there's something that's bothering you. And then... If you've been the one to, to sin or both of you are guilty of sin, then just admit it without blaming anyone else and ask forgiveness and then grant forgiveness. Folks, that's, that's how you do it. That's how you resolve conflicts. Now remember, Adam and Eve not only had a problem with each other, but their main problem was that as sinners, they were running from God because they feared his judgment. How about you? How about you? Are you running from God afraid that he'll judge you for your your sin? You know what? If that's the case, you should be afraid. You should very much be afraid of his judgment because he is holy and just and righteous and he must punish sin. The Bible says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you are running from God, you have every right to be fearful, but there is a way to be saved and delivered from the judgment that you very well deserve. Jesus Christ was judged in the place of sinners. Jesus Christ is God who became a man so he could be placed on the cross and on the cross he was judged by God the Father in the place of sinners. If you will stop running from God and repent of your sin of, of running your own life and you turn to Christ to save you believing that his death covered your sins then you will receive his complete forgiveness of all your sins. And when you experience his forgiveness you'll be free to forgive anyone who has sinned against you, especially your spouse. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you that the word of God is so true and so right and so practical. I pray, Father, for every couple here. I pray that they will follow through on what we have learned today and they will indeed speak the truth to each other without blaming anyone else I pray that they will resolve their conflicts. I pray that they will grant forgiveness and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I pray that these issues will be dealt with. I pray that every couple will sit down today and talk about these things and, and let, the, let the Spirit of God change them. I pray for restored relationships. I pray for humility. I pray for the right response to your word. And I pray for those, Lord, who are running from you, who need to stop running and turn to Christ. I pray that you will draw them to yourself, Lord. Pray that you will work in their hearts and show them their sin, show them their need for repentance, and bring them to Christ. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. I heard someone say once, when my wife is a little upset... Sometimes a simple calm down is all it takes to get her a lot upset. You know, all relationships have conflicts. But because of their closeness and the intensity of feelings, marriages are even more vulnerable to disagreements. And the way we deal with them is the key to having a healthy marriage. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Stop in some Sunday if you're nearby. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Call the office for service times. The number is 727-441-1714. Or go online to lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is listener supported, and we are very thankful for those listeners who give to help us stay on the air. If you'd like to make a gift, you can do so by calling Lakeside at the number I just gave, 727-441-1714. Or go to the giving page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. While you're there, our audio library includes all of our previous broadcasts, so that's a great way to get caught up on anything you might have missed. That's on the Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will move on to some verses that are often misunderstood, but will get some insight into the power struggles between husbands and wives. (music)